on Giddy Up, the Weekend Review with Dean Watley, Julian Valance and Jack Dickens. Lads, first of all, Jack Dickens, where are you? You're the biggest name in Bloodstock these days. A young, enthusiastic organisation you guys are at the Mailbag Bloodstock, and you should be here at Caraca. Where are you? Well, well we've actually got a, you know, you just mentioned a $600,000 Averbill Philly purchase yesterday. We've already got yeah. one to two-year-olds, so if you want to get involved, John at themailbag.com. Okay, so but, gee, I had one of the all-time weekends on this, this weekend just gone. I'm happy to be here in one piece, my man. Well, what happened, Dicko? Well, I had to fly to Sydney on Saturday for a box. Woke up early, so I was ahead of time to a text message notify me that my flight was cancelled, but couldn't let the boys down, so I just ventured out there and just prayed to the gods, Buddha, Allah, Zeus, Odin, and was lucky enough to get on a flight, landed straight into the beers, long session, luckily watching the racing so I can stay on top of our review. Um, went to bed late or early, then got up early straight away for another flight, got to Sydney, Flights delayed, aircon off in the airport too, so I was blowing up physically. I was overheating. Then to a lunch with the father-in-law uh, yesterday in bed by about 6 p.m. Okay. Just gotten up fresh and ready to dominate. Let's go. Love it. We're going to um get Johnny O'Neill. I know you look up to Johnny O'Neill. I now. do. I do look up to John. He's, He's your hero. So Johnny O'Neill, we're going to get him on the phone with Will Bourne as well, and we're going to buy one on air um, and tell you how you do it, Dicko. Appreciate um, it. Yep, so that'll be a lot of fun. And um, Dean Watling joins us from the Barry Attendant. I don't know about Dino these days. Did you see that photo that he put on social media, just posing like he's a model um, somewhere in Sydney? G'day, Dino. (laughs) Him and Gannon, if they're not doing hashtag pay up every time they tip a winner, I'd miss it. So was there actual selfie as well amongst the lot? I tell you what, I I went to New Zealand and I was going through the airport in Auckland and I got two people yell out to me, Gareth. They said... Hey, um, giddy up. I said yes, and they said hashtag pay up, so it's working, Dicko. As I say, good day, oh, Dino. Gano's no. <laughs> taking over the world. Mine's not that. I'm, I'm winner's win with Dicko, but Gano can have pay up. But nah, was out in the city on the weekend. Not as big a weekend as Dicko, but um, like him, I'm really keen to rip in. I think we got a lot of a lot of things to talk about over the weekend. Outstanding racing Thursday, um, Saturday, and then last night. So it's heating up, Gareth. I'm going to give my top five favourite moments of the weekend, and we'll talk about that throughout the show. But let us know yours, and there's so many to ter- um, choose from. 0499 736 736. Best text message will win some merchandise from Barry Attendant, and also, of course, Mailbag Bloodstock 0499 736 736. It might be a horse that you punted on the weekend. It could have been the history-making performance by Jamie Carr yesterday to become the first female jockey to win that Group 1 Hong Kong Classic Mile for the four-year-olds with Voyage Bubble leading all of the way. Or it could be even um, uh, Bobby Kuchermeister at the age of 82 created a little bit of history um, by becoming, I think, the oldest driver to win a race at a metropolitan level in harness racing. And he was all over the news services in Melbourne last night. So plenty of highlights to discuss. But what did we learn from the weekend, Dicko, apart from um, pacing yourself these days at a Bucks party? What did you learn um, from the weekend's racing? Yeah, I think we learned to not step into to spooky two-year-olds and spooky, well, not spooky, but like proven sort of, like the Golden Mile, the King's Gambit, they're just good horses and they're not set to win. They're on long-term grand final operations in grand final operating stables. 
and um, you know if you fell into the shorts of King's Gambit, you, you know, you'd be pretty frustrated with yourself. But if you drop off him, I bet you regret that even more. And it'll be the same story for Golden Mile. Just on that, I get before I get to you, Dan, on on the King's Gambit situation, he started at a dollar twenty, and there was a lot of people on social media after the race saying, "Oh, you were mad to back a two-year-old at a dollar twenty. What were you thinking?" Blah blah blah. Um, but he did slip at the start. He had genuine excuses, and that can happen in horse racing. Is it a case where if he didn't slip, he wins? I'll go to you here, Dino. Or is it a case that, as Dicko's just pointed out, regardless if they're Farlap or Winks or Black Caviar, for a two-year-old, you just can't play them when they're that short? Even if they, like $1.50, $1.60, they're, they're not a betting proposition because things can go wrong with the babies. Yeah, exactly. Dicko's nailed it. The grand final operators, um, the comments of James McDonald after the race were probably everything you need to hear. He said he's going great. He's fantastic. That's a great run. Um, when he's saying that, that means there's no excuses. They weren't there to win. It was just a tick over sort of run and they're going to be aiming at um, the grand final, which is the golden slipper. Um, and I don't know if anyone was really chiming in to King's Game. I think a lot were just out there to watch and hopefully put up a big run. So, if you did back him on the weekend, like Dico said, don't drop off. He'll be winning when he gets to his grand final. Capitalist did it. She would rain did it. And a couple of others have all done it where they have that um, sort of run and then they come back and they peak. So, um, no, don't drop off at all, Kings Gambit. So, another thing that we learned over the weekend, the winner was very good for Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott in that race. Um, we saw some two-year-olds there with the previews on Thursday at Sandown. So, Dino, do you have a pecking order now? Because I think we've seen some of the big guns. I think we've, and history tells you that we've seen the Blue Diamond winner now and we've seen the Golden Slipper winner. So in order, what would be your your ratings for the two-year-olds that you've seen so far? Yeah, I'll probably go through my top five. I, I think what we learned on the weekend is uh, Don Cerleone is the top of the order now. King's Gambit, I've got him for second. And then I think we saw the best filly in the country debut in Learning to Fly. Um, the figures coming out of that that win suggest she's better than Skirt the Law, who won the Magic Millions two-year-old. Um, and then I think we go down to horses um, such as Charmstone, um, another horse such as Instructor, um, and there's a couple more down in Melbourne. So my pecking order at the moment, my top um, Colt gelding is Dom Cerleone, and my top filly is Learning to Fly. I think we follow them. The hard thing now is to figure out which one goes to Diamond, which one doesn't, which one goes to English Millennium, which ones go to the slipper. But I think what we learned over the weekend is they're the two top in um, both sexes. So, Dick, I'll go to you here with these two-year-olds. The instructor's the perfect example. Every time he races, he's only had two starts, but he stepped up to the plate, and he seems to be a horse that you, you don't know his ceiling because he just does what he needs to do. Um, so what are we looking for, especially with these babies um, heading towards these big grand finals? And how important does the yard come um, with these babies? And what do you look for in the yard with these two-year-olds? Um, well, you look for progression. You look for yep. um, like a profile of sustained like uh, mental aptitude. So that if they walk really well first and second up, they need to walk really well come grand final day. Uh, I wouldn't worry overly about their condition because they're in big camps and they're sprinters. Um, but I think the most important thing, like to be honest, these power rankings don't interest me at all. It's about betting. And that's why I need to listen to shows like this because we need to find out which horse is going to the Blue Diamond and which horse isn't. Because I think the only hope 
on God's green earth or the instructor winning the blue diamond as if a lot of horses don't go to it because I think it's incredibly limited. I think that race at Sandown was as low as it gets. The race at Pakenham was lower. But the mail is starting to come through that King's Gambit, Don Corleone aren't going to the Blue Diamond. So then maybe it hasn't got to beat that much and maybe it's right there. It's going to be up on the speed. It's going to make its own luck. It's hard to knock. I think Don Corleone and King's Gambit are the two horses. I, I love what King's Gambit did on Saturday. It's got a phenomenal SP profile now. It's had two yep. two runs. It's like ahead of the game. I'd have it in front of Don Corleone slightly, but that's what the market has. Yeah. Bet365, the world's favorite gambling operator, Gareth, has got it six fifty versus $11. So... Yeah. I'd probably lean as a punter to Don Corleone because I'm looking at the price, uh, power rankings. Who really cares? But, but they're yeah, about but they're my, about the same. So I'm getting eleven dollars versus six fifty. I'd probably rather the elevens. My advice to all of the the two year old <laughs> future betting, um, and it's a lot of fun, but it can catch you out a few times because these two year olds could go shin sore. They could have a, a small setback, um, and a lot of these stables are got interstate. Um, bases so they can change their mind if they draw a wide barrier and think oh we're not going to go to a race like that now um, because there's a few grand finals around for them you got those like those English sales races now worth what a couple of million um, yeah. so there's plenty of options and there's for... camps like like the Kiramar Day Boosters camp you're going to talk to them through the day it sounds like yeah. they sw- they pivot their plans more than most stables do yeah. Steel City was right there it was there to win it's still learning. Like I, I wouldn't have much between it and the thing that beat it, Dean, whatever it's called, learning to fly. fly. Like if they pivot to the blue diamond and learning to fly doesn't go to the blue diamond, then like Steel City's got to be a better horse than the instructor at the moment, and it's tripled the price in the blue diamond market. So that's why I just couldn't get involved until I know what's happening yeah. and where they're running. But if, if a camp like that's like implied that Steel City's going to blue diamond, geez, it's an easy bet versus instructor. What? What we do know, Dino, Barber's heading towards the prelude of the Blue Diamond and then into the Blue Diamond. So James Cummings said that to Richo on Thursday at Sandown. And once that happened, the market's moved there with Bet365. So he's on the third line of betting now at $6.50. So it would be interesting to see how he returns because his effort was enormous there when he won in Sydney on debut. Um, what did you and learn then, And then the also, week? Gareth, there's the, yeah. the two-year-old that I was on at $19, Amigo, on yep. Tuesday in the instructor race, Dean. That started, was going to start $7. It was one of the great bets of all time. It's the sickest way to get beat in racing. That They'll never give me $19 about the horse again. But I'd have it in front of the instructor just off that market push. What I did think you learn? The, the yeah. weird thing about the instructor, Dicko, and I think me and you were in the same camp on Thursday. We expected to drift hard because of that, that debut figure, but the market kept it really safe and firm late. I'm just wondering if it's one of those horses that puts itself up on pace and does what it needs to do and keeps rising. I, I'm a bit scared of it. I'm going to keep it safe, but I agree in the sense of that Amigo. That was, uh, you don't see that in two-year-old races. The market really pushed that hard for a horse because they're not exposed. So it's purely coming off the camp's confidence. I think Barber again, Gareth, it's trialed. It's a pre-Christmas horse. I think that's always an advantage. Um, have that spell on your belt, that trial back, and they're going to go the whole way. And it's interesting to see what they do now. The diamonds three weeks between that and the slipper. So the horses do get a nice break leading into the slipper. So fascinating what happens here, but I love it because it's a good conversation. All right, then we'll take a quick break. It's 90 minutes past eight in the east, 90 minutes past seven, of course, in Queensland. 
um, 19 minutes past five in the West, and it's 19 minutes past <laughs> Don't you just ten. Give up on giving everyone in, the time in like, New Zealand. If you want to know the times, guys, the... look at your phone, we're, and we'll be back after this short we're, break. We're live at the Caracas sales for day two here in New Zealand. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with plenty more. Yes, this is Giddy Up live from the Kraka Sales here in Auckland for day two of the sales. It was a pretty good day yesterday. The average, I think the team were pretty happy with the average there of around 162,000. Would you believe the Phillies dominated proceedings? The two top lots were Phillies with their residual value these days and the market, I think the market for broodmare sales, etc., have jumped up by about 50%. So... Um, David Ellis and Stables like Andrew Forsman have identified that and so they're paying big money for the Phillies these days. So the two top lots yesterday were 625000 for the Savabill Philly and a $600,000 Savabill Philly that went to Andrew Forsman as well. But they tell me day two will be bigger. And well, they um, tell me, Gareth, close. you've got a three-quarter sister out of buy Savabill to Brambles, probably a sound okay. investment then, you reckon? Yes. Well, you'd, What lot would that be, Dicko? Uh, that'll be Jono, J-O-N-O at themailbag.com.au. Currently oh, yep. in training so you've, with Gavin. You've already purchased I apologise. I should know. Hey, Dino, what did you learn from the weekend? I learned that learning to fly is the top um, two-year-old filly. Um, that performance that she did on the weekend was a great ride um, by Schofield, but she just floated. Then when Steel City come at her, she punched out again and was strong to the line. The figure that she's produced on my data is elite. It's clearly the top. It um, trumps skirt the laws win in the magic million two-year-olds so what we learn is wherever she goes um follow 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 and the richer get richer don't they dicko they win the ferrari cool more like they needed it um us battlers will just keep driving our presses well i don't know if they they get the ferrari Ferrari. did they with that they they put the ferrari up so they'll give it to someone else surely oh why doesn't he give it to malbec bloodstock come on he should um, Tom's going now, so good. You know, he only smokes like two or three drags of a dart, G, and then he just flicks it away. Like, what who's an operator. That? Who does that? Tom. Manigar. Oh, does he? Mangar, oh, there you go. Name is the, the, the big six... man behind Coolmore. Just like a couple of drags. That'll do me. Now, I've got something that I learnt from the weekend, but you guys are the experts, so I want to get your opinion on it. And probably I'll go to you here, Dicko. So, Mooney Valley, I think, is a great example. And even... Perth are always a terrific example sometimes on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, I was getting a few text messages from, from um, punters there late on a Saturday. Gareth, we just backhoused the Serenity, which was $2 out to 260 I think, in that feature um, sprinting race there in Perth on Saturday. And there was a little bit of money for the stable, mate. Um, so she did have to carry um, a lot of weight, 59 on that occasion, and she did pull up with some problems as well. So we need to take that into consideration. But when that Fremantle doctor starts to swing in there in WA, it's fair. And we saw it in the the winter bottom when we had Pulele that came from last, is that it's just impossible to win on pace when the conditions are like that. And I think we saw it at Mooney Valley on Saturday and how you have to, like you're coaching a football team and all of a sudden, you've got your side that you need in the first half. And then you've got to throw the magnets around because the wind dies down at the valley. Um, and you can, um, yeah, yeah, like you, you wanted to be with horses with cover in the early part. And then when it dies off um, and it's been a hot day, it's hard to make up ground, Dicko. Would I be fair in analysing the meeting like that, that sometimes the wind can cause havoc with the pattern? 100%. But I think... Like, I don't have a clue about Ascot, so let's just go with what you said. At Mooney Valley, though, the first 
two races were staying races so they're they're irrelevant yep. to the pattern like the the bias on a day then we had a 1600 meter race and it looked like half even and then we went to the sprinting races so we went a thousand meters thousand meters 1200 1200 1200 then 1500 meter race i think they overwatered on saturday like the track was a good four when they finished and that was 38 degrees and we saw like a couple of clods coming up in the uh, australian stakes like it it just wasn't exactly the sort of track that I think everyone anticipated. And when it is a bit like that, it's harder to make ground. It's all, and it's always definitely an advantage to settle on the speed there at the Valley and more so on in the sprinting race. But if you're given like Jigsaw and Snapper take up a half the, a stack of the market, right? And you're letting them lead. One of them's going to kick away and win almost always. Yeah. We saw that all day, just good horses, Good, good positions in run, very hard to run down. I think people get their hopes up when they see a couple of staying races and they can run on, but they're just different beasts. Yeah, but we saw Blake Shin ride perfectly in the early part, looking for cover, taking shortcuts. Um, and it looked like that if you're on pace, that you were struggling to finish it off. Now, that could have just been the tempo in the early part of those races. Um, but I thought it was fascinating to watch. And in Perth, it, it's well known when that Fremantle doctor comes in, especially at this time of the year, and it gets above, say, 20 k's, um, especially towards the back end of the meeting, so in the in the quaddy legs. Um, sometimes it's really difficult to make up ground. But uh, another I thing mean, that confuses no, no, to, everyone to is like the, the first way. race, they went 11 lengths faster than average to the 600, yeah, well, and then the second yeah, race, they went 10 it. lengths slower than average. So it's just completely yeah. different, and it grazes right up when you're trying to read a pattern. Can you please explain then Jigsaw 1,200 metres um, and what the job that Cindy oldson has been able to do? And interesting to see um, Cuzzy Bro there, Michael Walker, who's done a lot of work with Jigsaw. Jeez, he, he was looking very, very he good. Was, yeah, he was, he was best on ground. I love what the hair as well. So he said that this horse needs to lead at all costs because he just doesn't try when he's not leading. So when you analyse Jigsaw, um, I think a few people had a question mark whether he would get a strong six furlongs. But... It's amazing what confidence can do to a horse there, Dicko. He just seems well, bomb-proof at the moment. I couldn't believe the, the race shape and the tempo. So, like, we had the two West Australian horses just, like, not even worried about the tempo. They'd shuffle out the back. Uh, and they just let the two best horses in the race that the market told us do whatever they wanted. They went, like, slower than the than the class to the 600. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a gut buster for Jigsaw. He wasn't exposed to a brutal tempo, which might seem vulnerable at 1,200. And then, as we talked about just before, it was hard to make ground. So it was just a battle of Jigsaw versus yep. Snapper. Snapper being up a bit longer than Jigsaw. Jigsaw's gone to a level, Dean, that we've sort of seen him do, like, not consistently, but he, we've seen him do it. And um, I think it's really, really good placement. And I think uh, Jigsaw assisted by Snapper being in the race. Yeah, it's a good race. I, I, I thought he was really good, Jigsaw. Like, I, I've got him going really not really hard but hard enough early and coming home good i think it's a solid race to follow out of and he's ticked away but like you mentioned Dico, it was it looked like a dead set racing too it was a two out in front racing each other and then there's the rest in the pack racing each other it was a strange old race um it'd be interesting to follow out of it but i think jigsaw the gelding operations really turned him on we saw a horse like colding do this when he went on eight in a row when gelded um he brings a similar profile very well placed given that fresher nice tick over trial stables doing yeah. outstanding things and if you back from every start this this run, he's your new favourite horse. Can he win a Group One? One word answer: Dicko and then Dino. Jigsaw, I speak of. No, no, no. Dino. 
And just where's, where's Superstorm and Western Empire at? The two big guns from WA. <laughs> Superstorm couldn't go a yard. He got beaten 17 lengths. Was there a problem with him? Oh, who knows? Who cares? I had a look at the stewards report. There's no problem. There had to be had something the, the wrong. A couple of surgeries leading into that run. And Western Empire, he, I, thought, I didn't think he was that bad. He missed the key by five and he found the line. But yeah. Yeah. What do you do? Superstorm Dicko, went, do you do? went like... Superstorm went like Dicko when he had his first run in four years the other day. <laughs> yeah, so he might he might find like two lengths next start, yes. but the problem is he needs to find about fifteen. Yeah. So. Ta- tailed off, tailed off, and under pressure. Hey, we'll take the news, and then when we come back, full credit, and then horses to follow, and then we'll go through a few of the future markets coming up this weekend. Giddy up live from New Zealand for day two of the Cracker Sales. Thanks to New Zealand Bloodstock and Bet Three Six Five. We'll take the news, and then we'll come back and continue on the review show with Jack Dickens, Dean Watling and Gareth Hall. Plus, we'll take your questions 0499 736 736, 0499 736 736. Welcome back to Giddy Up. This is the Weekend Review Show. We're live from Caracas. 0499 736 736. Send through your text messages. I'll go through my favourite five moments from the weekend's racing. I love Joe Pride and Nick Ryan, what they can do with horses that are just uh, arriving at their stables. So full credit to the team there with Maria Mia taking out the expressway and, of course, um, Mama Reagan. So impressive first up there for Nick Ryan and, and Blake Shin. Um, so hats off to them. Well done to Jamie Carr. She created history. She went to Hong Kong and wrote a double. She led all of the way in the Hong Kong Classic Mile, which is... Um, the start of the four-year-old series there in Hong Kong, and it was a terrific front-running ride. She just um, rated it to perfection and gave those horses out the back no possible chance when she took out the um, Mirewood Voyage bubble to lead all of the way, so well done there. Um, well done to Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bott. They also make the top five with the job that they do with their two-year-olds. And red resistance for Brett Preble, who is on the comeback, um, riding winners and doing a great job in Sydney. So he definitely gets in there. And as I mentioned before at the top, I know this is harness racing, but Bob Kuchermeister and Abby mate, Sanderson. Mate. No, this is why I love the sport of um, all three codes. But Abby Sanderson, she drove a group winner um, at 100 to 1 for my mates from Birchett. Um, at 17 years of age. And then in the final event there at Melton that night, Bob Kuchermeister, at 82 years of age, um, got the job done on a trotter there, Dicko. So that's why Cooch. racing is such a beautiful sport. It doesn't matter what code you follow. Oh, 100%. I'm getting more and more into my trots, but, you know. All right, then. Dicko, full credit. Who are we going full credit with? Uh, full credit to Spacewalk. Straight me up. Um, yeah. Got the job done. I backed it. Full credit to Spacewalk. Yeah. Full- Dino, full credit. Full credit. Like good placement. I was worried that they went to um they should have gone to Mooney Valley. I think they probably would have won there too. But um yeah. Full credit to them. They got the job done. Dino, full credit. What are you doing? So my full credit's Tyler Schiller. He's obviously ridden outridden his claim and it's gonna be a tricky time for those type of jockeys that step up to the big boys. Um, but he is riding phenomenally well at the minute. He's switched on, he's rides on the weekend on Eastern Glow. He had a really good one on Thursday as well. Um, and you can just back him full of confidence. So full credit to Tyler Schiller. All right, we'll take another quick break here. This is the review show on Giddy Up on the other side of it. Get your pens out. We're ready to go with our horses to follow and horses that we will be putting in the bin after the weekend's racing. Feet 
Gareth all with you, live from New Zealand, day two of the Kraka sales and uh, the sales are about to commence once again. Some of the biggest names in world racing, let alone Australasian racing, are, are rolling up here to hopefully find the next champion. But this is our review show and Giddy Up is always on a Monday morning. It's time now, before we get to our horses to follow, I apologise, Dan, I forgot to get your please explained for the weekend and you've got a beauty for us. Yeah, my please explain this week is... The explaining of the two-year-old ranks and our two-year-old horses prior to Christmas not stacking yep. up. We've seen the last two years, albeit we've had top and two-year-olds, um, I think the stock behind them, and it looks like it's another year where we've got good at the top and then there's a massive gap behind them. So my please explain is, obviously these horses are going for massive money at all your sales, but um, we, we need to see them and I want to see them in these good two-year-old races. And then prior to Christmas, we haven't really seen anything kick on yet. So that's my please explain to the, the breeding world. All right, then, Dicko, we probably nearly have to go back to Thursday. We might have found a couple of horses from that Australia Day Sandown meeting. Um, but have you got any horses that we need to be putting in our black book? Um, sorry, I thought... Um, I think Turath from Saturday is flying. Yes. I think um, that Steel City will be a bet next start at a good price from Sydney. Yep, the two-year-old for Karamara and David Eustace. Yeah. And yeah. I think um, Gentleman Roy is a Group 1 horse, returned outstanding, and is in for an outstanding prep. Jacquinot's last 600 was that of an elite horse, which we know it is. Very good yeah. science for its preparation. And Star Patrol in the exact same boat as Jacquinot. Those last three winners at Sandown, probably the best horses that went around in Victoria over the weekend. So... Um... Just with Gentleman Roy, when I was on the Gold Coast having some dinner with Dana, and not, we're just which, like, which know, dinner was could, this? Because you had about at, seventeen of them, and they were all at, Japanese. I don't know if it was at Mario's or I don't know where it was, but it was at a nice Italian restaurant. Italian, um, mm, yeah, down right that broad beach that stretched there. And you know, sometimes you're on the table next to people, and you can overhear their conversation. Anyway, yeah. they were talking about how they're going to get their horse and um, work out a, a strategic marketing plan to get their horse into the all-star mile. Um, and Dana says, Gareth, stop trying to eavesdrop. And I, as soon as they start talking horse racing, I got a little bit interested. So um, they were having a great old time. It was like a family. Anyway, towards the end, as we, we finish up our meal, I asked them, I wish you the best of luck. And who are we voting um, to get into the all-star mile? And the horse that they have, or they've got shares in, is Gentleman Roy. So, Dicko, do you give him a chance, maybe on speed at Mooney Valley in an all-star mile? Well, we have to go up against the, the sales greatest miler of all time, Keats. But um, he's a massive chance wherever they want to go. He's mile. absolutely airborne. It's a big, big first-up run. Are you definitely going to? He's a big chance in any race he wants. Gentleman Roy is oh. a very, very good horse. Okay. Um, so, could he win an all-star mile? Yeah, yeah, he could win a Doncaster. He could win an Epsom. He could win whatever he wants. He could. Yeah. He might not, but he could. What about you, DNA? Horses to follow? Yeah, I've got a fair few. I agree with Dicko, uh, Tura, Worstful, Alberton out of that Mooney Valley meeting. The massive one, the big one to put in your black book this week out of Sydney is Mumbai Muse. was absolutely phenomenal in the Whitton mm -hmm. States uh, against the bias. And 
Vico's horse, Amigo, out of Thursday, $20 into $6 in a two-year-old race, um, unraced. That is a phenomenal go. Scratch at the gates. You're not going to get a price like that next star, but that's all signs that this horse has a stack of ability. Okay. So a couple of horses that we need to be following then. Uh, there. Is there any horses that we should be maybe just putting a line through um, and not backing them again, Dicko? Are we sacking anyone? The instructor. Okay, so you, you, so you don't think he can continue to step up to the plate? He seems to be a horse that you just don't know his ceiling, however, Dicko. So what's your theory and philosophy behind that? I'm not knocking the horse in his power rankings and all the narrative yep. that we're talking about. I'm knocking Correct. him as a bet. Yeah, He's going to be under now. the odds because he's yep. two from two. or she's, I don't even know if it's he or she, to be honest. But it's the numbers he. aren't he. great, and I want to take it on next start and start after. Yep. Dino? Yeah, I'm sucking Bistro and Caraca Rib. I think Bistro got all favours first up. Hard in the market there again. Um, I don't know where this horse goes to. And Caraca Rib had every possible next to the instructor. Good ride and just killed up uh, like a beach chair. So I'm sucking Bistro and Caraca Rib. 0499736736. We're going to get your text messages. There's a host of them. So I told you last week that I'll give plenty of time so we can get to your questions. So we'll do that straight after our, our break here on our review show. We are live from Caracas. The crowd is starting to roll up here for day two of the sales. I've got a horse to follow, a little bit left field. Um, this is, I don't know where she's going next. I haven't had a chat to the Sheik, just Jed or William Buick or um, Charlie Appleby, but... I haven't seen a run like it for quite some time. A horse by the name of Dream of Love. It was racing at May Dan in that Phillies feature event, the Phillies Classic, oh, there on Friday up. night. You don't miss it. You, you, you go and watch this. You you go and watch this run. I've been watching racing and um, for a long time. I haven't seen a run like that since Mount Eden in the 1971 oh. Miracle Mile when it galloped. It was absolutely enormous, and wherever wherever it goes, it'll be winning. It could be one out of the box for um, the Sheik, Your Highness. So I would be making Your sure Highness. you follow Dream of Love. <laughs> and even if even if she has to get you up at 4 a.m. in the morning to watch her at Maydan, it'll be worth your while. We'll take a break. We'll come back with your text messages. Plus, of course, we'll go through a few of the future markets coming up um, with the carnival starting to get into full swing now and see if we can hopefully find a couple of winners at a bit of value. Back to Giddy Up, live from the Krakow Sales for day two, and of course brought to you by New Zealand Bloodstock. And Giddy Up brought to you by Bet365, the world's favourite online betting company. Gamble responsibly. Call the gambling hotline on 1800 858 858. The review team, Jack Dickenstein Watling with me, 0499 736 736 to join our conversation. Host of text messages coming through. Come on, Dicko, you can't do any more than win. The rest still have to do it. Two from two, the instructor. Giddy up. So, um, absolutely not point. knocking it that way. I'm just no. saying the price. Yep. Right. Um, hi, Do I you have want an to idea. Take that price. Yep. No, $4. You do, you yep. $4.50 at the moment there for the Blue Diamond with Bet365, which is too short to take. There's no doubt about that. Hi, I have an idea for racing New South Wales to think about. Why not run the Expressway Stakes at Canterbury on a Friday night or on the, the Australia Day Cup program at Warwick Farm and overall? off-season racing in the summer and winter at Canterbury and Warwick Farm to preserve Rose Hill and Randwick for the main sections of the spring 
and autumn carnivals. That's from Sean from Nowra there, Dino. Yeah, it's really, it's a good point. Um, it's probably the byproduct of having a lot more races in the spring and a deeper spring, but it's interesting to see if this is a common theme with these early races in the autumn if they do drop off because we need good horses in our good races. And if they're not there, Sean's idea um, is a brilliant idea to bring racing to Canterbury or Warwick Farm and, and turn that into a feature meeting. Dicko, Blake Shin has to be the number one jockey in Victoria at the moment. If anyone saw him ride there on Saturday, um, there's no possible argument that he's not the best jockey. That's from Tom. He's absolutely airborne. Um, I couldn't argue against that. I think there's a there's a number of jockeys in Victoria that you're sort of happy to be with or have ride your horse, um, and he's certainly one of them. All right, then, Dino, what's your favourite country racing carnival? Ooh, I really like the one that um, just happened over the weekend, Sapphire Coast. Uh, okay. A bit biased. I'm from down the south coast. It's a little bit further, but um, beautiful beaches, great racing. Um, the community gets around it, um, and it's not too far from me. So I really love the far south coast, Bigger Cup, Sapphire Coast Cup, all those top ones. They're my favourite. Question without notice, and I'd love to hear your thoughts um, out there, 0499736736, your favourite New Zealand horse of the last three to four years. Now, there is a few to choose from, Dicko, apart from your unraced filly by Savabil. Um, <laughs> I'm Thunderstruck, you've got I Wish I Win, Rocket Horse, um, Melody Bell. They have had a wonderful time of it over the last... I think it, their last year was exceptional, but definitely over the last couple of years, it's... They've basically made a bit of a comeback in a way, Dicko, of playing at our carnivals and, and having success. They do a great job, and particularly Waikato Stud do a phenomenal job. Like The numbers don't lie. Um, mm-hmm. I think I Wish I Win's probably the most exciting horse for the narrative and the punter, this next preparation. Uh, fascinated that they're not going for the All-Star Mile, I believe, G. Obviously, you're the mailman and can confirm that. I think they're going on a little bit more of a sprinting path, this prep. Correct. So that's, people that's exciting. thought... It- yeah, it might be a Cox Plate horse, but it's that good that they, they think they can train it to win a big Group 1 sprinting race. So, um, Well, I wouldn't, I, wouldn't get, I wouldn't be saying PJ Moody and Cathy Coleman couldn't do anything at the moment. They're absolutely airborne. No. What about some um, future markets? I might even ask uh, Mark Chittick if he'd be interested for SEN Track's slot there for the Quokka. Like, mm. I wish I'd win if they're training it for six furlongs. 100 to 1, but you've got to ask the question. Um, Dino, you got a future market bet for us? Yeah, a couple. Um, English Millennium goes in two weeks. Um, I think we saw, like I mentioned, Learning to Fly is currently around $8 in that market for Bet365. I think that is uh, a good bet. Um, obviously, with futures markets, you treat your Saturday, you, you're through the week's betting as your, your priority. Futures markets, bet within your means. They're fun bets. Um, they're not um, putting in the spreadsheet bets. But I think Learning to Fly, a really good price, $8 there. And I'm going to get the friends at Bet365 to put Mumbai Muse into that. We'll need some luck with the prize money, but um, some other corporations have it around that $26 price. If we can get that with Bet365, that is a phenomenal bet in the English millennium. All right, then. You're all over that horse. and You saw that two-year-old race really well. Um, Millennium hitting the line to finish third. Dicko, with these future betting, as um, Dino pointed out, you can... Like the, the races that Bet365 have got up at the moment that interest me just a little bit, but you just need to make sure you've got to know what horses are going there. For instance, like the, the all stakes coming up at um, Sandown in a couple of weeks' time, 
Um, you know Jack and O is going to be ready to go and ready to fire for that race. He's the 450 equal favourite with Thunderstruck and Alligator Blood. Um, Tuvalu, 7. Zaki, 10. Brightside at 10. Um, so that's the story there. Um, well, we saw Alligator Blood ridden cold and sort of have a run first yep. up last prep um, at Caulfield. So I wouldn't be trusting it first up, but I reckon it's the most exciting horse of that bunch at a mile like it could sort of elevate itself to superstar status this prep could might not um, yeah look so I, got... I'd love bet 365 to let me have a futures bet and if they did I'd have something at a 200 to 1 on Keats in the all-star mile yeah well they won't let like they I bet 365 will give you they'll let you for as much as you want because it's got no possible chance Keats to win an all-star <laughs> mile okay. um, the thing to note as well about the English Millennium Gap it is um, pre-noms as well so if you back a horse in that market and it doesn't nominate for the race yeah. you get your money back so um, well, that's actually that's... phenomenal information full yeah. credit to you that's my full credit for the week well we, done Dean that's we great better go thanks for that Dicko appreciate your time as always um, and uh, good on you Dino thanks fellas Dean Bye Watling, Jack Dickens with our review show there on this Monday morning. We're live for day two of the Crocker sales at Auckland. We'll take the news and then we'll come back with plenty more. Andrew Seabrook to join us. Mark Chittick from Mycardo Stud as well. But it's news time and bag of tips coming up next as well.